Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Okay, away we go with Scoops with Danny Mac, and this is the Monday edition. I'll visit with Brad Thompson, my broadcast partner, over the weekend. Thanks to everyone that tuned in to Fox Sports Midwest as we had baseball back, and hopefully baseball will continue. We do know about uh, cancellations tonight. The Marlins have had an outbreak of the coronavirus, so their game, their home opener, has been canceled this evening. The Yankees game tonight has been canceled as well and if we get breaking news on the show we will pass that along to you but on this show let's talk about what happened over the weekend shall we scott don't you think yeah it's a great idea man it's so much fun yeah let's let's get to what happened over the weekend the cardinals take two of three from the pirates and let's get into the first weekend of the baseball season the cubs and the cardinals are two and one this season in the Central Division, the Reds, Brewers, and Pirates are 1-2. and two. We saw Jack Flaherty. Boy, he was magnificent over the weekend. And uh, he talked about the oddity of pitching in front of no fans. It was weird. It was different. Um, I feel like it's, you know, it's just, it's different. You know, you get, managing your emotions is, is different because you don't get the, you don't get the crowd or anything. And, you know, it was, it was, it really hit me um, after the, Whatever the situation was, but with the punch out to Moran, like I knew it was like a big spot. It was an important spot, like big punch out. And it was just kind of, it was weird. It was like, you're used to that, you know, whatever it is, roar from the crowd, whatever you want to call it. You're used to that, you know, right after a big punch out. And there was like none of that. So that was the part where you, like it, it was kind of, it was just different. It was a completely different feeling. It was weird. But I mean, other than that, you know, the juices were flowing. It was opening day, uh, get a new team in there. Just another, you know, just go out there compete. All the players talked about seeing a team with a different uniform. Juices started flowing. You know what? The numbers count. Jobs on the line. What do you think about the broadcast and the uh, the crowd being piped in? I love that. And once you started to watch, and you got used to the fact that there were no fans in the stands, it looked like baseball. Six five seven eight zero six five seven eight zero air comfort service text line Rhino Shield mic drop as well. Later in the game, Paul DeYoung with some insurance. High fly ball, deep left field at the wall, gone. Two run homer, Paul DeYoung. I think uh, just more experience, um, a lot of time to reflect and understand who I am and what I'm capable of. And, uh, you know, I think we've just had a better lineup synergy this year. Um, a lot of communication top to bottom. Uh, I think a lot of it's communication, coming up with a plan. Our ball talk before the game, we really come up with uh, our, our approach off a certain guy. And then obviously when they bring relievers in, uh, we're all talking. And then guys that face that certain reliever will go up and talk to the next guys that are coming up to face him. So. You know, really, uh, the situation will tell you a lot what's going on. And uh, also just, you know, after not seeing these guys for a while, it's good to have a refresher. So a lot of communication helps just to see how the guy's ball is moving, um, what it looks like, how it feels. Is it does it look like it like it plays or is it play less or more? You know, just all the little details, I think. Paul DeYoung's going to have a huge year. 30 home runs a season ago. Middle half of the season was in 2019. Not great. Came on big time in the beginning of the season. Finished up with the 30 bombs. He's had three of the four top home run seasons by shortstop in Cardinals history. Great spring. Good summer camp. He's poised to have a big year. In game one, KK, now he was the closer. Remember, he closed out with a 
a terrific ninth inning in the exhibition game on Wednesday. You had the off day on Thursday, then came out on Friday. Wasn't overly sharp. And I, I got to wonder, you know, this guy has been a starter for the better part of his 13-year career in the KBO. So that was basically two out of three days. And it's not the normal routine. That's something he's going to have to get used to as we move forward. So something to keep an eye on. In game two, it was all about Adam Wainwright. We are uh, very solid defensively. We went from a couple years ago being the opposite to being very, very solid defensively. And, and uh, confidence in every position out there on the field right now, that is a, for a pitcher's psyche, that is a big difference. You know, you, you can attack the zone a lot better knowing that your defense has it covered behind you. You know, you don't fall into those deep counts. And you know if you get a ground ball, they're probably going to make a play and they're going to probably ro- roll a double play here or they're going to run a ball down in a gap. Those doubles that are saved too, that's a big difference. But, you know, the, the difference in having great people up the middle too is you got a runner on first, a tough play that maybe didn't get made. Now you got first and third with, with an average defense where you got two outs, nobody on with a double play made because you have great fielders up the middle. That's a big thing for a pitcher. And I'm very blessed and and glad to be able to say those are my teammates back there behind me. They're so talented. Yeah, the, the two things that stand out over the weekend, the pitching, very good, especially the starters, Flaherty. And then you had Wainwright, bullpen, very good. Helsley was good. You had a debut from Cody Whitley. That young man is going to be exceptional. I mean, he's going to be really good. They got all the bullpen guys in. For the most part, very, very good. The other thing that is good about this team, they are athletic, and we saw that in game number three. Edmund chops it. Backhanded by Moran. Race to the bag and save. Wong trying to score. To the plate. He is saved. Edmund to second. Heads up. Base running here by the Cardinals. How about that? Tommy Edmund, an infield hit. Wong at second base and scores. So they've got some speed on this team. When you think about the bottom of the lineup, whether it's Lane Thomas, you got O'Neal, you got Edmund, you got Wong. They score the only run in that game on that type of play. It's an athletic team, more athletic than they've had in years past when they'd sit back, maybe wait for the home run. And now you've got some speed. You've got some athleticism. And with Mike Schilt at the helm, he's going to run. He's going to hit and run. I like the way that that comes together. So that's going to be fun. Okay, now off to really what is the news of the day. And that's the Marlins. The coronavirus has hit their team, decimated their team. Double figures in the coronavirus. Don Mattingly was asked after the game, should they have played? Was it even a question whether or not they play? They're never really considered not playing from my standpoint. We're taking risks every day. Every day we're taking risks. So uh, that's what the players all around the league are doing. You know, you travel all the time. You know, it started with this road trip. You're traveling, you're in planes, you're in buses, you're in different hotels. Uh, It's the risk that, that we take. And I think we just have to, you know, I'm going to go all the way back to Michael Hill told us early on, you know, we're going to have to be, we're going to have to be you know, adjustable. We're going to have to be flexible. We're going to have to be patient. Uh, we're going to deal with a lot. We tried to set ourselves up to deal with a lot in different scenarios. So we're getting tested early. Hopefully we're not getting tested later. We're Hopefully we can pass this test. Don Mattingly, manager of the Marlins from the 3-1-4. I don't think it's reasonable that they should have played. Well, that's Don Mattingly on his reason why they did. This is John Heyman, uh, MLB Network, just moments ago. His tweet hearing Marlins are out there looking for extra Major League Baseball quality players. Obviously, 
They have a lot of concerns, but one of them is fielding a representative team. So that's what they're doing. And that is John Heyman's tweet literally just moments ago. Jeff Passan was on uh, a broadcast late last night with Carl Ravitch and asked about the impact going forward for Major League Baseball. Well, it's clearly going to be an issue for the rest of the year, Ravi. We saw it on opening day with Juan Soto. We're seeing it now with at least a small outbreak, and we don't know what it's going to end up like with the Miami Marlins. What I do know there is that when they were in Atlanta earlier this week, they spent about two hours waiting to board a plane. Now, whether that was because of concern over somebody who was going to be on the plane uh, catching COVID or something along those lines is unclear. But the Marlins were inside of a bus cramped for those two hours. And part of the protocol Major League Baseball has is to avoid staying indoors around people. And so when you're traveling, Ravi, these are going to be the types of issues that crop up. And whether it's the Marlins or any of the other 29 teams, they are always in peril when they're going to be on the road of situations like this happening. And quickly, it's just been interesting. You watch the post-game celebrations. You watch walk-offs. There's high-fives. There's hugs. There's all sorts of things that you're not supposed to be doing. How much leniency does baseball and the Players Association want the players to have? I mean, clearly, there uh, you saw the high-fiving, you see spitting, you see the, the walk-off, you know, dog piles. You see all these things that you're not supposed to do. And when you have an incident like the Marlins or if there uh, is some sort of an outbreak on the Reds, you wonder, is that going to dissuade them from doing that? Or is that just the, the rhythms of the game? that they're used to and that are simply unavoidable going forward. Because, Ravi, you've seen KBO games. You see guys giving high fives and dugouts and stuff like that. Of course, Korea is completely different, but still, uh, you know, it just seems like that is part of baseball that cannot go away. Now, you mentioned him talk about the Reds, and that has not been talked about yet because yesterday before their game, uh, Mike Moustakis was scratched before their ball game yesterday. He called their manager, David Bell, said he wasn't feeling well. Yeah, he woke up uh, not feeling well. So that, that's all we know at this point. So um, we're hopeful that uh, it's nothing. It is really important, um, as you can imagine, just to be really cautious. That's part of being a great teammate at this point is if you, you know, if there's any doubt we got to stay home yeah and, and that's what david bell's talking about if you're just not even feeling well you call up the team you call up the the president of baseball operations your manager your general manager and you just say look i'm not feeling well don't know if i have a fever don't know if i'm just you know one of those things where i'm a little achy and you may not have the virus but you have to be a good teammate just don't show up just stay at home and that's what we're dealing with that's the world that we have in baseball 2020 which is unfortunate, but that's the world we live in right now. And I'm sure we're going to hear more about the Reds as we go forward. For the Cardinals, they have an off day. They will travel to Minnesota. They've got Carlos Martinez going tomorrow. It's a two-game series. Then they're off on Thursday. They'll be in Milwaukee over the weekend, and the baseball season moves forward. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. We hope. Want to get your thoughts on that? 65780. From the 618, Danny Mac, three games into the season, no undefeated teams. What are your thoughts on that? Let's just say we play baseball. Personally, I love it. It's only 60 games. So 
think about it. You've got teams winning and losing. You've, that, that means you're going to have tight races across the board. That means teams like the Baltimores, the Pirates, maybe let's say some of your lesser teams are winning games. Parity, maybe. You're going to have a team that you do not expect to play well. Hang around. So when you have, let's say, the trade deadline, August 31st, there's going to be some team that's hanging around. And when you have 16 teams that potentially make it into uh, postseason play, there's going to be teams that get in and then maybe win that first round that have no business getting into it at 162 games. That's what makes it kind of fun. I like it. I like it. Um, Let's see. The Cardinals are doing a disservice to KK by making him the closer. He has started his entire career, was a dominant starter. He is 32 years old. Uh, They expect him to be able to pitch multiple times a week. It's very unfair. It's a waste of his skill and talent. I disagree. Um, Got beat out. The other five guys are better. Carlos is better as a starter. His talent has proven that. Where do you want to put him? It's not going to be a six-man rotation, and his stuff does play as a potential closer guys haven't seen him he's going to have to change his routine now if it doesn't work out then you piggyback him on others that's the way i would look at it um want to get into a bunch of these later in the show let's do this brief timeout. when we come back we'll talk to brad thompson i'll ask him that question uh it's going to be fun it's going to be a race to the finish we'll talk about what's happening with the marlins all kinds of things with the cardinals this is 101 espn more of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. On Mondays, we visit with Brad Thompson. He was my broadcast partner this weekend on Fox Sports Midwest. And Brad, always great to visit with you. How are things going? It's going great, but we, we got an entire weekend of baseball in, my man, and I know that the world is crazy. I know all the news today hasn't been fantastic, but just looking back over the weekend, man, it was just fun being in the booth with you again. Orioles, Marlins, Yankees, Phillies postponed because of the coronavirus. What was your initial reaction to hearing that news? Well, a disappointment. I mean, it's one of those things where you and I were talking about it yesterday as this news was trickling out about the Marlins, and we were just speculating, you know, what we thought was going to happen and how uh, Major League Baseball would approach this. And look, it's disappointing. Uh, it's scary. It certainly, I mean, it goes past uh, just the players that are involved. You've got to think about all of the tracing points that these players have been through, all, all of the people that they've been around. Uh, so it's going to be one of those stories that we just got to keep following, keep an eye on. I, I do think that from a Yankees Philly standpoint, look, it kind of makes sense to postpone that. You have a, a team that you had 14 guys that were infected and were in that clubhouse. You want to make sure that thing's totally scrubbed. You have a clubhouse staff of the Phillies that they need to be quarantined now as well. So that part of it makes a lot of sense, but. Look, I I think that we all knew that at some point during this season, Dan, that stuff like this was going to pop up, that you were going to have teams that were infected. I don't know if we expected it to be uh, 14 members of uh, the the staff, uh, players and coaches included, this quickly, but we all knew it was going to happen. And I think that now for Major League Baseball, the biggest keys are, first of all, how do you handle it here going forward? And then tracing, looking back, you got to find out exactly how this happened 
because you gotta you have to know if your protocols are working or if they're not, or if you have players stepping out that aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Like the, the reason that you got to this point, it really does matter. Absolutely, and, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head. How did this happen? And tracing it back, and if you can figure that out, kind of like what, where we were in the very beginning of July when when guys first got to summer camp. Um, there were some tests that that were positive, and then it went down. And so now you've hit the traveling portion of this, and we knew there was going to be some bumps in the road, and maybe there's going to be bumps in the road in the future. But let's learn from it. I don't know if shutting it down is the right thing to do. I I, I don't know what the right answer is, Brad. I, I'm just I'm kind of not at a loss for words, but I'm just trying to figure it out as we go along. Well, that, well, that's the the difficult part is you don't want to be calloused and just say, oh well, well, Marlon sucks to be you. Life goes on, uh, and, and then let everybody else play. Uh, I know that there's a competitive balance thing there. I think it's very easy to just look at the Marlins on the surface and just say, ah, they weren't going to be a, a playoff team. Who the hell knows? In sixty games with sixteen team playoffs, who's going to be uh, who's going to be a playoff team? But the biggest thing in is again learning from this and figuring out how we stop it. I agree that shutting things down, like right now, I feel like that's a big leap. But if you look at the Marlins right now, and you and I were having a conversation yesterday in the booth off air of how you utilize a 60-man roster. And currently, the way that it's set up, you still have your 40-man roster where players have to be on it to be a part of the big leagues. Dude, I I could absolutely see them coming to some sort of an agreement now where they just blow up the 40-man roster in general and just say, hey, if you've got bodies that test negative and can play, then they're going to play. We'll give you service time. We'll give you money. But then next year, if we have a quote-unquote regular season, then we start this. Uh, we start your clock over again. You're not on the 40-man roster if you weren't on it before. I just feel like that there are different ways to get more bodies involved at this point, Dan. In terms of the baseball on the field for the Cardinals, Brad Thompson, what stood out for you this weekend? Man, well, I love what I saw offensively the first two games. Ran into uh, some issues yesterday. I don't know if the Cardinals ran into the old, we haven't seen this pitcher before, but Mitch Keller uh, did a decent job of just kind of navigating around the lineup. He wasn't dominant yesterday, uh, but he did a good job of just keeping them off balance. And I was impressed by some of the arms the Pirates rolled out of the pen yesterday. But look, the first two days, uh, the, the Pauls in the middle of the lineup, were good to me. Uh, I mean, they were really good. And that's the three, four punch that the Cardinals have really needed. I thought the bottom of the order did a really good job of getting on base, making things happen, and even showing off a little bit of power. O'Neill hit the hanging breaking ball out of the ballpark. You had Dexter Fowler turn on an inside fastball, drive one out. Harrison Bader scored some runs, uh, got hit a couple of times, and Lane Thomas got an opportunity. I think offensively, Outside of yesterday's game, and I'm sure that uh, during all of the shows today, we'll use the term small sample size. I'll set the over-under at 25, and I'll take the over. Small <laughs> sample size, though, Dan. Of course. Uh, I, I, yeah, I like what I saw out of the offense, and the pitching did what I expected the pitching to do. In terms of, we had a question about this, but in terms of KK, are you concerned at all about what you saw on Friday, and we had somebody ask, are, are, are the Cardinals doing him a disservice by moving him as uh, from a starter to a reliever? I, my opinion was, look, he got beat out. You know, Carlos is better used as a starter with his stuff, and we'll see how it plays out this year. Um, but he's got to learn how to get ready. Two out of three, which was the case the other day, did not look sharp. What do you, what do you think about how he's being used at this point? 
Well, I think that there's a term that we use in baseball quite a bit when things don't go your way as far as maybe it's a roll or whatever it is. That term is hang with them. That's all you, that's all you can do if you're KK. You hang with them. It is what it is. You, you came in, you wanted to be a starter. That opportunity, you threw the ball really well, but there were different fits. Uh, I don't think that his fit at the back end of the bullpen is necessarily ideal for his skill set due to the fact that he's used to having multiple days off in between. But I'm not going to react after one outing because I saw how nasty he looked two outings ago, and I, albeit an inter-squad game or, or an exhibition game against the Royals. But he's freaking flat-out dealt. He's throwing 94 at the knees, the nasty slider. Well, we saw on Friday guy that uh, was a little bit loopy and he was throwing more across his body he just didn't look like himself but the thing that I, I wonder about with Kim is how is he going to be able to bounce back from start to start because the question to me is was were those struggles a product of him bouncing back and pitching at a competitive game so quickly after the uh, the game against the Royals, or, or was it just an outlier? He just had a rocky game. We won't find out until we see him again. But that's what I'm interested with him because being a member of the bullpen, you got to be ready day in and day out. And maybe with KK, with his background being as a starter, maybe you'll try to build in a little bit more rest for him. But he's a dangerous arm when he is ready to rock and roll. So you want to be able to use him as much as possible. I want to go to the starters. Jack Flaherty, that was just uh, typical Jack Flaherty on Friday night. That's what he does. I mean, Jack was just in command early on. He was showing off all of his pitches. And even when he got into some trouble, he bared down and made some big pitches late. So it's so nice to be able to see him get uh, get seven innings in in a first outing. And I've actually kind of been impressed around baseball, seeing some of the longer outings from some of the starting pitchers. And we've talked about the fact that we believe that pitchers would be ahead early on, and maybe that's something that ends up shifting. But Jack picks up exactly where he left off. I know that he talked about it after the game in some of the uh, spots. You know, you get a big strikeout and you don't hear the real crowd. You hear the pumped-in crowd noise, and he talked about the fact that that's a little bit weird. But you can see it in his eyes when he's out there on the mound, Dan. He doesn't care if there's 50,000 people there or there's nobody there. He cares about the guy that he's competing against, and he cares about that one pitch. And that is the focus that's going to make him great in a really weird season. Adam Wainwright ties Bob Forsh, and you can say what you want about wins, but he's third all-time in wins in Cardinal history. He was hot, literally. He got maybe a little overheated, for lack of a better term, in inning number two, but uh, winds up going back out there, stays in the game. He's varying up his pitches. Uh, The speed range was like 71-72 to 92. Kept guys off balance. It was typical Adam Wainwright. It really was, and I was really impressed because things could have gone off the rails early, as you mentioned, in the second inning. He was laboring quite a bit, and he was in a lot of trouble. Austin Gomber was up in the bullpen already, and I did think it was kind of funny, and this is a 2020 thing, something you normally wouldn't hear. Uh, he was asked about it after the game. He said, hey, did you see Gomber warming up in the pen? He said, no, but I could hear it. Like, like that's, <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's something that... 2020, you're going to get with nobody in the stand. You, you hear what's going on behind you. But I, I loved how he was able to get right back into things. There were a couple of really good at-bats. One specifically comes to mind with Josh Bell up in a big spot. And to your point of just mixing up speeds, varying, we never saw like back-to-back from Adam. So he set up Bell so well. He threw him a 72-mile-an-hour uh, curveball down. 
and then he got him with a 91-mile-an-hour front-door sinker. So he just does such a good job of keeping guys off balance. This weekend, I mean, Saturday was fun anyhow when you get a chance to see Yachty and you get a chance to see Wayno. Just hearing those two names, the fact that they're still playing in 2020 is something. But then you watch these guys over the weekend, Wayno on Saturday, Yachty all weekend. It's like, dang, man, there's just more in the tank for each one of these guys. How about uh, Dakota? What did you see from him? Look, I, I thought Dakota was a little bit flat. I don't think that he had the same exact sink that he generally has. Uh, and he, he was he was going fine early on, but then a couple of pitches got up. And that's the thing with Dakota. If you see him up or if the ball runs arm side, he can find himself in some trouble, and it can happen quickly. Colin Moran hit the slider that was up and missed the spot, and then he gave up uh, the, the bomb. Uh, the two-run home run as well, and everything's just changed so fast uh, for him. It took Dakota Hudson a little while last year to kind of feel right. I do think that mechanically he's in a far better spot this year than he was last year. But Dakota's going to be fine. It's uh, it's about getting the reps in. It's just about focusing down in the zone and getting that movement. But Dakota's uh, you know struggles, if you want to call them struggles, yesterday. I don't think that was the story as much as the offense just couldn't get anything going. Dakota's going to be just fine. He's part of the future of this this rotation. He's got a chance to be there for a long time, and I still do believe. And by the way, the fact that he, he uh, didn't walk, guys, that was a nice change from last year. I think Dakota's going to be one of those guys that we're going to look at, Dan, in a couple of years and just say, man, every time out there, he's going eight innings and he's throwing 90 pitches. Like That's the kind of stuff he has to make. My guest is Brad Thompson, and we'll do this every Monday, talking about the uh, Cardinals weekend and the baseball season as a whole. Uh, Very impressive debut, Major League debut, albeit with nobody in the stands and mom and dad watching from a television. But Cody Whitley, impressive, and that's all he's done in spring training, summer camp, and again yesterday. We talked about it on the broadcast, but when uh, when I went down to spring training this year, I'm talking to people around the organization. I said, "Hey, give me some guys that I need to keep an eye on, uh, and, and not don't give me Dylan Carlson and Nolan Gorman. I know those guys. Give me somebody else." And Cody Whitley's name continued to pop up. So uh, I'm following around the backfield looking for Whitley, and man, he didn't disappoint. He pounds the strike zone. He's got 95. He looks unorthodox, kind of the way that he sinks into his delivery, the big overhand. Uh, But the fact that he went through three different levels last year, that's kind of unheard of, starting in Palm Beach and ending up in AAA, and then the following year ending up in the big leagues. I love stories like that. I love the fact that a 27th-round player is in the big leagues a few years later and certainly some circumstances around why he was in the 27th round had some injuries teams were a little bit scared of him would have been a a higher pick if that part of it hadn't happened but i love that and by the way that's like a reason like that is why i hate last year's draft that it was limited to five rounds i understand some of the logistics that goes around it but so many opportunities for guys are wasted. But I was pumped up to watch Whitley uh, get his debut. He goes scoreless in it. He gets his first strikeout, a 95-mile-an-hour fastball upstairs that's going to be sitting on his mantle for the rest of his life. It's a day he'll never forget. I'm excited about Carlos Martinez tomorrow. After what I saw Wednesday against the Royals, the pace at which he pitched and the way the ball was moving, he took a little off his fastball so he wasn't throwing as hard it's there if he wants it but he was going with movement and the pace loved what i saw so i'm excited about tomorrow night 
Me too. I'm excited that Carlos got himself into a position this spring where he was ready to take a hold of that job and run with it, and he did so. And I'm excited that he did the same thing during this pandemic and kept himself ready to keep that job. Carlos, to me, has the opportunity to be one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball anytime he steps on the mound. The movement, the velocity, the slider. He's got the changeup that can really uh, you know, take away some of the power from the left-handers. His changeup is filthy. I know that we always talk about his sinker and his slider. And it is going to be a tall task. I mean, you, you look at what the Twins have done already. They've hit seven home runs. Nelson Cruz is a freaking beast. That is an ageless wonder. We yeah. talked about him on the broadcast. Also, 40 years old, uh, Nelson Cruz is. Uh, drove in seven the other day. But it's going to be a challenge, but it's going to be one that, I mean, this is power on power. This is Carlos going right at these guys. I do think that you're going to see him be aggressive. I think you're going to get uh, a lot of these guys that are trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Carlos has so much movement that he's going to get him out in front a little bit. I believe he'll get a lot of ground balls. And it's going to be a fun matchup. I'll wrap it up with this. The one thing I took away from the Cardinal lineup is athleticism. You know, defensively, they're going to be very good. That's clear. We saw Edmund with a couple of fine plays. But the other thing I saw is that the bottom of the lineup's got speed, top of the lineup's got speed. They generated a run yesterday, even though it was a loss. But they've got some speed. They've got athleticism. We'll see how Mike Schilt wants to use that. Yeah, very rarely, and I can't think of another instance where I remember a Cardinal lineup, and then I saw seven, eight, nine in the lineup, all your outfielders, generally reserved at least a couple of those, your corner outfielders for power spots. And maybe they'll turn into those for the Cardinals. But the way that they're utilizing it right now, I think works. I think it works really well. You got some sneaky pop down there. Well, O'Neill's not sneaky, uh, but maybe Lane Thomas is for some. Dexter Fowler certainly is for people that don't uh, look at him as a, a power profile guy. But they get on base. Dexter, working counts. We saw Harrison Bader uh, get hit by a couple of pitches, get on base, work some things. That speed is going to help them a ton. The aggressive nature of the Cardinals, that's going to be there anyhow. They showed it last year. They're going to get on this year. They're going to hit and run. They're going to steal some bases. But the hope is all of this speed, you get them on base, and, and then you have Paul Goldschmidt come up, and then you've got uh, Paul DeYoung, and then Carpenter, all these guys driving them in. The Cardinals should be moving a lot on the base pass this year, and I do like the flexibility. It'll be interesting to see how the lineup kind of bounces around. Do we see our top four stay the way that it is currently? Do they mix and match there in the two spot? Personally, I kind of like Tommy Edmond there. I like the versatility of the switch hitter, but they got a lot of moving pieces right now. Brad, you did a great job this weekend. Mean it sincerely. It was awesome to be with you, and thanks for doing this every Monday. Oh, man, this is fun. Baseball is fun. We'll keep our fingers crossed with everything that's going on, but I can't wait to be with you again. I think I'll be with you next weekend. So, hey, let's get there. Looking forward to it. Brad Thompson, every Monday. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Okay, statement from uh, Miami Marlins CEO Derek Jeter. Quote, the health of our players and staff has been and will continue to be our primary focus as we navigate through these uncharted waters. After a successful spring 2.0, we have now experienced challenges once we went on the road and left Miami. Postponing tonight's home opener was the correct decision to ensure we take a collective pause and try to properly grasp 
the totality of this situation. We have conducted another round of testing for our players and staff, and our team will all remain in Philly pending the results of those tests, which we expect later today. We will provide additional information as soon as it becomes available. So again, they have postponed their game, and the Yankees and the Phillies are postponed later tonight. Obviously, the Marlins, their home opener is postponed tonight as well. From the 6-1-8, so with a 60-game season, how long can we watch players trot out with 100 batting average? Um, Well, we're three games into the season, and you're going to have to go with the eye test, and you're also going to give a longer leash to those that have a long track record in Major League Baseball. That's how you do it. There are some that have a shorter leash because they haven't been in the game that long, and you got guys nipping at their heels, and there are those that have been in the game a long time. So you give them a longer leash because they've got a long track record of being in the game for a decade. 636, I hope I'm wrong, but it seemed like Miles didn't have his usual snap-on breaking balls. I I don't necessarily agree. Um, and it says also, isn't his forearm tightness a baseball uh, issue for an elbow problem? Well, he did have that. I, I noticed that he did throw a ton of breaking balls the other day in that start against the Royals. He, he threw a ton. I thought the velocity was down a tick or two. Um, but he did throw a lot of breaking balls. Danny Mack, why didn't Miles start game three and save Dakota as a four or a five? Simply put, Dakota Hudson was awesome at home. He was statistically one of the best rookie starters in the history of the Cardinals at home. And so I think he wanted to go with a veteran on the road and have him go at home to start the season and line him up against the Pirates. That's why I think that... That's why they did that. Um, So have Miles, veteran, go against a veteran lineup, a lineup that's loaded. We've talked about it a ton. Uh, Brad just mentioned it. Uh, Nelson Cruz had seven RBI the other night. I think he was four for five in that game with seven. And you wanted Dakota to be lined up against Pittsburgh. Lined up perfectly, too. You won the first two games. So um, that's why you wanted to do that. And he's been great at home. 314, do you think MLB could experiment with robot umpires? The home ump in yesterday's game was awful. Agreed. Uh, Games mean too much to be decided by bad umps. I mentioned this before. Robot umpires are not ready. It's not technically ready. I watched an Arizona Fall League game this last year. Literally, the ball bounced in front of the plate. Bounced in front of the plate. Catcher caught it, and it was ruled a strike. So, it's not ready. It's close. But it's not ready. It's not perfect yet. It's got to be perfect. I think it's coming. I do. I think we're going to have it, but it's not ready. And especially with the right-handed batters yesterday, he was giving the left side of the plate. You could see that on the little K zone that we have on Fox Sports Midwest. Inch or two off the plate, that was ruled a strike. I agree the strike zone was floating, but it's not perfect. What would you think about the argument with, uh, <laughs> with Shelton and the umpire? I thought they did a great job. And first of all, Shelton, Derek Shelton, the manager of the, the Pirates, was the one that was not ejected. So initially, when you see an umpire look over to a dugout and throw his hand up and say, you're out, and I could hear him say, you're out of here, I thought, well, the, the manager just got ejected or a pitching coach or a bench coach. He was not. It actually was 
Derek Holland, who is thrown out, who is a pitcher. He's a left-handed pitcher who's going to go tonight or tomorrow for the Pirates and was actually in their bullpen in games one and two. So for fans that didn't see it, he says, you're out. And then Shelton came out, and the umpire reached in his pocket after he took off his mask. It was the home plate umpire and took out his mask and put it on. Then they had to remind each other to stay socially distanced. So if you're going to have an argument, you can't go toe-to-toe. Billy Martin would never survive in 2020. Matter of fact, not a lot of managers would survive from back when in 2020 and get toe-to-toe and face-to-face. So they argued socially distant, which was great because they did it properly. Um, And so... They had their, you know, they had their little argument and then they went back and, and Shelton actually put on his mask. He, he, I think after he saw the home plate umpire do it, he's like, oops, I got to put mine on. And they, they went back and forth and, um, I, I got, I actually got a kick out of it. I thought it was funny, but then I later found out that, uh, Derek Holland was actually sitting in the seats in the canopy, uh, underneath the canopy that they have extended down there so that players are not in the dugout and close to each other. So then he got ejected. And everything was fine, and it moved on. Doesn't that give you an idea of how much that sound travels at the ballpark? Past the dugout, the umpire can hear him in the canopy chirping him. So that's why they have it. So the sound is supposed to be there not only for the fans at home, for the enjoyment of the broadcast, to enhance it so it's not stale, which I think our guys in, in not only Fox, but also down at the ballpark, they did a great job. Great job. Um, they really did. I, I was taking in other games. I, I thought our people with the Cardinals did a fabulous job with that. Um, of watching the game, making sure they bring it up if there was a good play or close play or bad play, whatever. They followed the game. They did it right. Really practiced it. Did it did it very well when the, the lights were on, so to speak. Um, but the other part of that is, and I talked about it during the game, it's the competitive part of it. There is so much chirping in a normal game that goes on from a dugout of guys dropping language and chirping at the opponent. You wouldn't even know it. As a fan at home, you have no idea. They are chirping constantly at the starter, chirping at a guy that walks and gets to first base, chirping when a guy gets hit by a pitch. And actually, if you, I don't know if you saw this, but Milwaukee and, and the Cubs, they were going back and forth and yelling at each other. And believe me, Major League Baseball doesn't want to have all that out there. I mean, they don't want to have all that chirping going back and forth and the language and the things that are being said. So that's part of why you do it. And the catcher is moving behind the plate. So he's giving away location when his spikes are digging in the dirt. So that's another reason that you have it. So, But I did get a kick out of it. I thought it was fun. Apparently it went viral on social media too yeah there was like a i don't even know how many views fox sports midwest got but it was a yeah, lot pretty funny all right we'll cross it over and i think uh is bk's not here so it'll be alex and uh Rivs coming up on 101 espn more of what you want to hear scoops with danny mack in podcast form on 101 espn Okay, I got to answer uh, one of these 314 Danny Mack. I'm surprised you're not giving the catcher the framing call on the two inch outside pitch. Well, if you paid attention this weekend, I talked about Jacob Stallings being one of the best uh, pitch framers in baseball. Did it on Friday night, did it again yesterday. So actually, I did. All right, Jamie Rivers and um, 
Well, Alex is in for BK. Alex, great job on Friday, by the way. You Thank were you. the point man running the whole show. Yeah, you guys did awesome. I was listening uh, during my drive to Paradise, which is our lake house, and uh, I thought you guys knocked it out of the park, man. Had a lot of baseball talk. Let's hope we continue for the next, uh, well, roughly 60 days for a baseball season, <laughs> if not more, with postseason play. So you're running point today, I understand. Yeah, I'm driving the bus, and oh boy. Uh, oh as we said baby. last night, uh, you know, the bus might get driven right off the road quickly. That's okay. We're not sure, but uh, either way, we'll put it in four-wheel. We'll pull it back on. So I get to say, hey, uh, Rivs, what's coming up on the show today? We got a lot coming up today. Obviously, we got a lot of Cardinals talk. We're going to talk a little bit about COVID-19, unfortunately, yeah. and maybe the mm, Miami Marlins, but we got some great guests. <laughs> We've got Sarah Langs coming in, MLB. We've got Mark Spector that uh, is up in Edmonton, near the bubble, and he'll be able to give us some insight on that. We've also got Daniel Nugent Bowman, who wrote a great article about the health and safety protocols surrounding these NHL bubbles. And then last but not least, Danny, we've got our boy Jamal Mayers, former oh, nice. Blues player, Blackhawks, uh, Stanley Cup champion. Good He's going to have a lot, of, uh, a lot of information to offer us on yeah, what the paper, people uh, up in the bubble might be thinking. Well, Ribs, good luck, and Alex, God bless. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fun, that's for sure. Alex and Ribs coming up next on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.